Welcome to the Hopecast. Here, we have conversations on finding life. Welcome to the Hopecast. My name is Nicole Eunice, and I am joined here by David Dwight. I was going to give your whole name, and then I stopped, so then I had an odd pause right in the middle. You could add adjectives. David, David. Fantabulous uh, Dwight. Well, actually, that's funny, because I was actually assuming they'd be negative. <laughs> that's probably more related that tells you to your more. Inner, that tells you about life. inner world. I know. Oh, man, that's funny. It's funny when you get, do you ever get those vague texts or emails that say like, hey, I need to talk to you. And you're like, I don't know about you. I go to the worst possible scenario that could yeah. possibly come out of that text probably, message. Probably human nature. All right. I got to tell. I got to tell. Yeah. So I know we've said this before, but it is so encouraging to me. I had somebody walk straight up to me and say, I just got to tell you, I learned about this podcast and I travel a lot. And listening to this podcast is so helpful to me, not only just sort of the content of it, but just feeling connected, not so far away, not so lonely and all that. And I get actually sort of emotional about that. I'm like, you know what? Like I I can think of times when I've been far mm-hmm. away. I'm in a hotel room. You feel like an anonymous nobody kind of walking around the planet somewhere. You feel far from your family. You feel kind of lonely. And like, Something that makes mm-hmm. uh, familiar voices that make you feel like you're not alone, it's really meaningful. And so I loved it when this guy mentioned that. It was really fun. So I'm so that makes my day. Yeah, I think that, I mean, I thought about that and I thought, I feel like we engage with this as if a third person is there who's listening. And I know that I've experienced podcasts like that in books and where you really feel like you have a relationship with the person and they're helping you through something. So that's kind of the spirit of why we even, why we even started this podcast so many years ago. Yeah. I think it's a way of trying to foster community um, in terms of uh, connecting with hope people. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people now that I've heard about who are not hope people in various places but it does create community. Yeah. We want to feel like we're in a conversation together. Yeah. Yeah. So we hope that these are helpful conversations and we're kind of in the in the midst of a really fun season at Hope where we're reading through the Bible together. And that has generated lots of these kind of questions that we hope can be conversation that maybe you've thought of, you know, to yourself in your mind, whether you're reading the Bible with us right now or you've read it before, we think that we're seeing the same kind of questions. And I love that Rachel Toon, who's a Praxis resident right now, she was speaking in senior high ministry a week or so ago, and she brought and shared some of those questions. And I love that the same questions that some 14-year-olds, 16-year-olds are asking, we're hearing from adults too, who say, how do we kind of address these big questions? And it's really, if I, if I didn't believe in our big God who is actually actively working, you might think, oh, those are daunting. But I'm really like, actually, I think God has written his word in a way that does speak to some of these things. And we want to try to help as much as we can in those areas. Yeah. I, I also think there's something hard to describe about the benefit, the enjoyment, the meaning of tons of people reading it together yeah. and sort of moving through the same material day by day. Mm-hmm. Now, we know that peop- there are a lot of people who are sort of doing it independently, but I was talking to somebody the other day and she said, 
I was so fascinated. I wanted to read ahead, but then I thought, but then I won't be sharing the reading with everybody oh, wow. else who's reading it. Yeah. Like, I don't want to do that because I love thinking when I'm reading it, tons of other hope people are reading the same stuff I'm reading. And even if they didn't never talked about it, there's this sense of community just knowing we're reading the same stuff. And I thought that was really cool. Yeah, it's been fun. I, I'll walk around some on Sunday mornings in different, our Midtown location, West Creek. Some people will have their Bibles with them. And it just, they we, we end up having a conversation. We have about 40 groups that are going mm-hmm. through the Bible together. And so there is this con, kind of spirit of being in it together. And I love mm-hmm. hearing what other people pick out that mm-hmm. they saw and experienced. It's almost never the same. It's usually all different. Well, and even, even around here during the week, you know, staff members are sort of arriving, mm-hmm. coming into work. And you see, you see everybody like there's groups out in the parking lot. There's groups at the coffee pot and they're all talking about what they read last night. And it's like, wow, it's so, so fun. And, and really honestly trying to make Bible jokes. That's just a part of There's it. There's a well. little of that. <laughs> There's a little bit of Bible jokes as well. All right. So I want to ask you a quick question yeah. because you used a word that resonated with me. Um, you made the comment, we were talking about a genealogy mm-hmm. and you said, you know what I love about it is the Bible doesn't sanitize it. Mm-hmm. Um, say a little bit more about that. Cause I agree with you. I think the Bible is is very straightforward. It doesn't gloss over. Uh, it's not like a Southern novel where they don't tell the <laughs> truth about right. their family dysfunction. The Bible tells the truth about the family dysfunction. Um, but your word sanitize, I, I found helpful. Hmm. Say a little more about yeah, that. Yeah, sure. I, I think that, um, you know, one of the things that's interesting that, uh, you know, a, a theo- theologian might pose is if you were going to create a religion how would you make it seem like that religion goes? And that one of those places where it feels like scripture is accurate and true is in its no holds barred approach to how people are handling this quote unquote religion, like Mm -hmm. this God. And there's something about that, that actually for me as like a kind of a born skeptic makes it feel much more realistic and Mm -hmm. much more real Mm -hmm. than if it was, maybe crafted into a romance novel or, you know, whatever you might say. So one of those places that we were talking about was that in Jesus's genealogy, there's some women that are listed in that genealogy. And even the way that the writer Matthew wrote it, where it says that in that genealogy is the wife of Uriah. That means that it's pointing and alluding to the fact that King David took a woman that was not his to have. And it even hundreds of years later still says that's who that woman was. She was not David's to have. Who treats a king like that? You don't you don't write literature where you say those things about a king. Right. So you start to see that in the Bible that it's it's not sanitized. It's not an infomercial. It's not trying to sell you anything. You know, uh I love that C.S. Lewis talks about the fact uh if people are familiar with Lewis or if or if not familiar with Lewis, he was a sort of ancient literature like specialist. Mm-hmm. And he was a professor at Oxford, and his training was in ancient literature and mythology. And when he became a Christian and he starts remarking about the Bible, mm-hmm. he says, essentially he says something like this, I'm paraphrasing, but he says, he says, as an, as an expert in ancient uh, mythology literature, I can tell you that this does not fit the genre. Mm. Uh, for one, it's not uh, written well enough which is interesting <laughs> because what we do have in the Bible is a lot of stuff that's written by pretty ordinary yeah. 
blue collar fishermen types of people. So he's like, the writing itself is not good enough to be mythology. Mm-hmm. And also um, what I like is if, if you were making this up, you would have made it much more appealing. Mm-hmm. There's a lot that you read in the Bible. You're like, ugh, ugh, and then you slog through it. If you were making up literature to try to persuade and craft people, you you would have made it much more appealing yeah. the way you wrote it, the way you crafted it. And Lewis says that also convinces him of the veracity of it. It's random. It jumps around. It's not that appealing. And he says it's exactly the way real life works. Yeah, and, and that's interesting. You can't like win as a human. There's no, there's no like system of like who's better than the other and how. Because if you think about a religion, you'd want to ask, well, what's in it for me? If it was really just about a religion, and there's never like a winner. I mean, the people who are like gods, like the priests, the Levites, they don't have a great life. There's no, there's none of that built-in inherent reward system that humans kind of look for, right? Um, outside of the promise of communion with God and eternity. I mean, it's a very ethereal, you know, um, which I, that might sound like an undersell because I think there's incredible, of course, gifts and blessings to be right. in Christ. But when you just read it as it is, particularly Old Testament, right. you don't see that system that would be what would draw you in. Right. So a uh, few people have asked me, they're reading and there's a number of places in the material we've covered so far where Stories are told and retold. Mm-hmm. The Bible does this a lot. It tells and it retells. Yep. And it's really helpful to know the Bible, particularly that really old material, was written in oral cultures. Mm. Oral cultures tell stories and retell stories and retell stories and retell stories. So, for instance, even in Genesis, you get an account of creation. Mm. A couple chapters later, you get it told again slightly differently. Um Deuteronomy, the word means the law all over again. Mm. So Deuteronomy is like, you read Exodus, now we're going to tell it to you again, but Mm -hmm. with a different lens. Mm -hmm. Okay, then you get first and second kings. It's like kings, now we're going to give you kings again, but we're going to tell it a little bit differently. First and second chronicles, same idea. You're reading it, you're like, I've read this story already. I've read this story already. So some people have said to me, this is frustrating. I don't get it. They keep, why do they keep telling this over and over again? And the thought hit me the other day, these people do with words what we in our day do with pictures. Mm. We live in like a photography type culture, Mm -hmm. a visual image culture, right? So one of those people would look at what we do with pictures on our phone. They say, why do you have seven pictures of the same thing? (laughs) Yeah. They, and you'd That's be a like, great way to think you'd be it. like, well, this is the panoramic. This right. is the portrait. This is the close up. This is the square. Right. This is the Here's a landscape. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And they're like, it's the same picture. Mm-hmm. And we would take that as completely understandable. Mm-hmm. Well, of course. Right. They did with Andy words. Was important. The more the, pictures, the more pictures you have. How many pictures do people take of their weddings? It's like thousands. Right. You know, it's one right. moment right. with 1,500 pictures right. that show up on Instagram for the next so four years. So the people who come from an oral culture tradition like those people, they do with words and stories mm-hmm. what we do with photographs. So they might look at somebody's wedding album of, of call it 400 mm-hmm. pictures, and they'd be like, you know, one of these would have been enough. We'd be like, what? You can't just have one picture. It's your wedding. And they're like, you understand the significance of the histor- history of what we're talking about? You can't just tell it one time. 
you have to tell it from different lenses. You have to tell the panoramic. You have to tell the lasered in. You tell it from a bunch of different right. ways. Right, and if you're reading along with Hope, you're going to find we're going to get to the prophets. Some of their names are being mentioned because yeah. they're going to speak yeah. into historical things that you're reading right now. And if you don't know that, you're like, totally. where, where am I in time? What's happening with this poem? Totally. But that's a, it's almost like the creative expression of the historical expression. It was a couple of days ago in the reading when I first saw Isaiah's name. Yeah, you're like, I'm like, wait oh, a second, there he I know is. him. Because he's like what my favorite Old Testament book. And then just, I can't remember it exactly, but then just the other day too, Jeremiah yeah. was mentioned for the first yeah. time. Yeah. I'm like, ah, there he is. <laughs> yes, there he is. And so. if you never read the Bible before, you might not know that, but just keep reading. And this is again, in this like lens of interpretation, we're going to talk about Old Testament, New Testament. Um, suspend your judgment because you, like you said, I love David that you've said, imagine being in a four hour complicated movie and you're only in like hour one. So there has to be some suspension of like the understanding because you don't have the whole plot right, yet. Right. We're right in the middle of it. If you're watching that movie and you're an hour in, there'd be a lot of stuff that you didn't understand, but you would be like, okay, I'm just hanging with it. Cause I know this mm-hmm. is going somewhere. But it's interesting how we do that with the Bible. People are like exceptionally frustrated about that. But we do that all the time if we watch a movie. Yeah. Okay. So we just have a few more minutes. So let's just give a brief, why does the Old Testament God seem different than New Testament? Maybe for people, I've read the Gospels, but now I'm reading the Old Testament and that doesn't seem the same. What would you kind of give them some coaching on, on this part of it? Okay. So any descriptions that we try to use to describe God are always going to be only partialities Mm -hmm. because it's God we're talking about. So every effort we have to try to understand them, it's like, Mm -hmm. okay, that's helpful, but totally understand the the but part because we'll never be able to fully describe God. Every effort is a small effort to get a little more understanding. So a couple of things are happening. First of all, much of the Old Testament material, the old stuff was probably written, depending on the scholars you like, 1400 BC thereabouts. Um, and then it closes, the old Testament closes around 400 BC. Mm -hmm. Okay. Then you have a 400 year window between the close of the old Testament and the start of the gospels Mm -hmm. and the opening of the new Testament. I think it is hard for us modern readers to realize that like 400 years. I often think, Just try to consider the changes that have happened in the United States Mm. since the days of George Washington till now. And and that's what, 240? Yeah, I was going to say, which isn't even close to That's 240 years. years. So if you were reading something about the way George Washington did something, Mm -hmm. you'd be like, this is so different. That's only 240 years. The Old Testament closes. There's a 400-year gap before the New Testament begins. Mm -hmm. But before that, there's about a 1,000-year gap distance Mm. from the oldest stuff in the old Testament. So just think how much the world changes in those periods of time. So that's one thing to keep in mind. Then I would say, um, different things are happening. The oldest parts of the old Testament are the very beginning of the story of God calling a people to himself, creating their identity calling them to be different than the rest of the warring brutality mm-hmm. that's around them. So much of what's happening is, is relationship shaping behavioral norms. And mm-hmm. I, I called my first sermon, I think family values. Yeah. 
this is how it's going to be in God's family. Mm -hmm. Okay, now, you move through and you, you keep moving along in the Old Testament. You've got lots of history, lots of names, all that kind of stuff. Then you have a 400-year gap, and then the New Testament mm -hmm. opens, and the New Testament narratives are essentially telling the story of the life of Jesus, mm -hmm. uh, the Gospels are. Um, so very different things are happening. The Old Testament is the earliest stages of a relationship. Mm. The New Testament is much further along stages mm. of a relationship. Think about stages of a relationship. Mm -hmm. Things feel very differently if you think about your relationship with Dave. When you were dating, it felt one way. You've been married a long time now. It feels differently. Right. People will say, no, but that's not what I mean. I know, but it's just one little piece yeah. of trying to understand it. Um, people talk about how God seems harsh in the Old mm -hmm. Testament. Um, I used, again, a partiality. When you're young and your father is much more of an authority figure in your life, the relationship feels different to you than when you are a much more mature person and your father is a much closer friend. Right. Um, it's the same father, but the relationship has changed. Has the father's character changed? No. Um, but is it possible that your father, let's say, spanked you when you were a little kid misbehaving? Yep. He doesn't do that when you're 30. Hopefully you have a, a rich, beautiful friendship. So, again, it's it doesn't cover all of it, but it's like, okay, that's a helpful little lens on that. Also, if you've never read the Old Testament and you're reading it now, you might be surprised that when you read the New Testament, you have a different lens on Jesus's teaching. It's possible that you've brought sort of a lens to it that's allowed you to kind of see it one way and mm -hmm. you see God one way mm -hmm. because of that. But when you combine it with the full scope of scripture, you, you, it just comes to me like there, there might be things that you, that you read that you think, I don't remember Jesus ever saying that. It says that he said that here. I don't, right. I don't remember him ever saying those things. But now that you've got a fuller picture of what holiness and love look like, right. you might find some things different anyway. Really interesting to me is that uh, as far as we know, Christianity is unprecedented with the fact that uh, Jesus is calling God Father. Mm -hmm. And in Jesus's day, a father was a fully honored and even revered authority figure, mm -hmm. as well as a dear, intimate relationship. Mm -hmm. We have a tough time holding both yeah. of those together. We want to make that an either or. We, we think you can't have a dear, heartfelt relationship if this person is revered authority. Mm. I actually think you can, and there's a whole other story that we could consider in that. So that gives you a little bit of a picture that God is authoritative and this is a dear, mm -hmm. intimate relationship. Interestingly to me, today's reading, I read some of David's first prayers of worship and adoration, and they're intimate. And it's like, wait, mm -hmm. this is Old Testament yeah. stuff. In fact, David describes God as one whose love endures forever. Mm. And you're like, wait, that's in Chronicles. That's Old, Old Testament yeah. stuff. I think of Psalm, I think it's 136, where the phrase, his love endures forever, repeats throughout the entire Psalm. Mm -hmm. Like, I want you to get this point. Yeah, yeah. His love endures forever. His love endures forever. His love endures forever. We'll read this in a few weeks. So we shouldn't miss that the Old Testament has many more verses yes. 
that speak to the the enduring love of God than the New Testament does. The New Testament has more of a canvas that paints the picture. The Old Testament has many, many, many more verses that speak to God's unfailing love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the longer you read it, like any great work of art, the more you get to know it, um, perhaps we begin to see the 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 richness of the artwork come out. Yep, absolutely. Great thoughts. Okay, you guys, we will be back next week with a few more thoughts to keep you going through your Bible reading. Talk to you then. HopeCast is a ministry of Hope Church in Richmond, Virginia. You can find us online at www.hopecentral.com.